I've been preaching through Ephesians, going to continue it on today. If you've got your Bible, Ephesians 5, but you can read it on the screen too. Follow God's example, Paul says, therefore as dearly loved, would you like to say dearly loved with me? Children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any, other, or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral person, for of this we as Christians here in the 21st century can be sure, no immoral person or impure or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live, then, as children of light. What a great thought. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose those deeds. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, let alone put it on a movie. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise people, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but understand what the Lord's will is. Uh, sorry, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I've been preaching on this, I've been getting us to make I am statements because what I always say at baby dedications is that if we as parents don't write who that child is on their heart, the world will write it and it'll write bad stuff and it'll write hurtful stuff upon that child's life. Jeanette had something written upon the tablet of her heart that was an untruth. It was a lie. It was hurtful. And so... As we've been going through Ephesians, I've been looking at it from this angle of what does this tell us about who God says that we are? And God says that we're children of his, that we're adopted, that we're loved, that we're precious, all sorts of things. And so this morning, I want to make us to make a couple of statements. Here's one of them. I am constantly changing for the better. Would you like to have a go at saying that? I am becoming holy 
let me just make a, a pause there. The Bible says we have Jesus' righteousness, therefore positionally we are righteous, we are holy. But in the walk of our walk, we know that we're not always holy. True? But a statement we can make is, I am becoming holy. I, another one here is, I am choosing holiness. Try that. I am using the key of David. I'll explain that as we go along. Let's get into this, and I think you'll see why I'm using those, those statements that are there. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember what it was like? When I got saved, on the night I got saved, I was totally confronted with my sin. No one spoke to me about the fact that I was a sinner or I'd done anything wrong, but I knew, absolutely knew, that I had done wrong and I was broken as a person, and it was all Holy Spirit conviction. It was, it was an incredible situation that was like a concrete mixer going over with these words in my heart. I knew I was unsaved, and I desperately wanted forgiveness. I needed Jesus to save me or I was going to hell because that was the next thing that just opened up before me. I knew that if I died right then, that was my destiny. And the amazing thing was, Jesus absolutely cleaned me up. I cried, and I see tears. Um, I was praying for a new Christian last week out in the forum area, and the tears that were coming down his face were an amazing sign of the cleansing that's going on on the inside. It's like the windscreen wipers are going on the inside because all the tears are just flooding down. And that's what happened for me. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. And, and what happened was exactly what verse 8 and 9 says. I, I went from darkness to light. I went from things that were hidden in my life that I didn't want anyone to know about to absolutely everything open and clear and forgiven and clean. Do you remember those days when it happened for you? And, and I felt so light, it was, I, it, I felt like my feet were not touching the ground. Now, I'm not trying to be Gnostic. They did touch the ground. And, and I went to school for a week after that or two weeks. And it, but it felt like I was just walking on air. I was so light. I was forgiven. I had the light of Christ in my life. And it was absolutely wonderful. But the issue that had to happen was I had to deal with my sin. And, and I, I repented. I turned 180 degrees away from what I knew was wrong, and I said, God, not only forgive me, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to walk in a different direction. And, and, and I, I felt and, and knew that I had peace with God and peace with people. It, it was wonderful. It was just absolutely freeing. But it took repentance, and that's what has to happen when we come to Christ. Now, since then, I've found other, other Christians who, when they got, got born again, they didn't have a confrontation of their sin. Um, maybe they were, uh, God drew them in by his love, and they just knew that they were uh, enveloped in his love, and he was drawing them towards himself. But everybody, no matter how we come in the very first instance of becoming a Christian, we all have to come to that point of dealing with our sin. It's just part and parcel of the beginning. You know, it's because of our sin that Jesus came. It's because of our sin that he went to the cross. It's because on the cross the Father punished him instead of me. And that's how Jesus can forgive me, just as he forgives you. 
And then he wants us to live in the light. Would you say that with me? Live in the light. Not going back into darkness, which is so common, prevalent, possible all around our lives. He wants us to know, stay in the light. Don't get over where it doesn't shine so, so strongly, but stay firmly in the light. The problem is, the good thing about being in the light is that we get a great life. Following Jesus Christ is the best life it's possible to be able to have. When when you're talking with people where they're genuinely honest and vulnerable, when they've gone after the things that they want and they've listened to the voice of the enemy and they've gone into places, they get into these places where there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of issues that arise around someone's life. But when we're with Jesus Christ, he says the fruit of that is goodness, righteousness, and truth around us. In other words, our life becomes something that is absolutely incredible. We get to enjoy life. But the problem is our old nature. If you go back a chapter to verses, chapter 4 to verses 22 to 24, Paul talks there about the old nature. And he says we've got to put the old nature off and we've got to put on the new nature that is Jesus Christ. And we have to battle as a Christian against the temptation that our old nature brings up before us, every single one of us, to do things that are wrong. It will tell us, if you really want to live, you need to do this. It won't hurt, it won't have any problem, but the difficulty is that damage comes around a person's life who believes, who believes it. And I've found that sometimes the battle with my old nature is a daily battle where I have to choose, no, I'm not going to do that thing, believe that thing, say that thing, but I'm going to do what God says is the right thing to do. And how seriously any Christian takes this battle against their old nature, the putting off on a daily basis, if need be, the the thoughts and the, the, the things that the old nature would try to bring back into our life, and choosing God's way will depend on how much joy they have in their life. It will depend on how quickly they grow and mature. It will depend on whether they even last. You see, we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can compromise God's standards of holiness as Christians. If people, even people who claim that they're Christians, live a lifestyle of sin, I'm not talking about a one-off situation that any person can fall into, but a lifestyle of sin, they will not be accepted by God. That's what this says. Let me read it with you again. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Now let me say some words about this. We live in this amazing testament, this amazing covenant that is a covenant of grace. And in that covenant of grace, Jesus Christ has already forgiven us of every sin or paid the punishment for every sin that we could ever commit and will ever commit in our life. And when we come to him, he has forgiven us of all sin. 
But if we abuse that truth and think that that means, well, I can just sin freely. In other words, we allow sin to become a lifestyle within us. We come out from under that covenant of the kingdom. You see, becoming a Christian means that we are forgiven in one moment, but we're sanctified. In other words, we're internally changed where we choose to, to, to walk holiness and the desires within us for the negative way, the wrongful way, begin to drop off in our life. It's a walk of a lifetime. You know that? You understand what I'm saying here? We're saved in a moment. We're sanctified through a whole lifetime. And no one in this life, the Bible says, will ever make it to perfection. Perfection will happen as we step over the line in the, in the upgrade, as we get the call to heaven. But we can become more and more walking in holiness when we choose to live that way and walk that way. You know, there needs to be ongoing repentance in our lives if we're going to go on with, with God when we fall into sin. I guess this is a verse that you probably know by heart, and if you don't, it's small enough that you can memorize it. I want to start in verse, verse 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then verse 9, this amazing verse, it says, If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sons sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You see, if you're claiming that it's okay, you're perfect now, you're just completely forgiven, you're either abusing grace or you have not enough of the word in you to know that you are actually sinning if that has become a lifestyle in your life. And God's Holy Spirit is saying, come out of that. Come out of that. You need to battle against that. And he says in, in, in the next verse, my dear children. Now, when he says that, you could put the word Christian or church there. My dear church, or my dear Christian, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody sins, we have an advocate, that's a lawyer, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And what it means is he will go into battle and he will speak to the Father on our behalf if we have committed a sin, we, will, we can go and we can ask forgiveness for that. And the, Jesus, the lawyer, will say, Father, it's covered. He'll go into battle on our behalf. So there's provision for dealing with ongoing sin lapses. Can I hear a, a shout of joy? It's a wonderful thing that that is there within, the, within Christianity. But never accept sin as the norm. You may be battling all sorts of things in your life right now. Don't, don't accept it as the norm. Don't think, ah, I can't win. This is impossible. This is beyond me. No, it's not. It's not. The Spirit of God works with you. The Spirit of God will help you. Never accept sin as the norm. Let me also say, we cannot be saved. We cannot get to heaven by keeping the rules. And this chapter is full of things that you could call the rules. We can never do enough, be good enough, to be able to get to heaven and say, I'm perfect, 
I've got a perfect right to come into a perfect environment. Every one of us would be, no, you can't. You've done this, this, this. The list would just, you know. At my wedding, my best man had a speech, and he'd rolled it up like a scroll, and um, he just unrolled it, and it went all along there. Well, God would have this big scroll. No, you've actually done quite a bit. True? None of us can get to heaven by being good enough. We all need to trust Jesus Christ. We only get there by trusting Jesus. But if we are truly saved, we will seek to live a holy life. It's one of the tests of whether salvation was actually genuine. What We're looking back to that moment when we first gave our lives to Jesus. One of the tests is, in our heart, we want to live holy. And when we do sin, we will have such anguish inside of us that we'll get out of bed if, if it's the middle of the night when we get woken up or we'll find a place and we'll get down on our knees and we'll say, oh God, I am so sorry, please forgive me. As that anguish grows in our heart and the advocate will plead our case in heaven, the Bible says. So holiness is not necessary to get saved but it's an ongoing thing that will take place in our hearts if we're truly saved. And he talks about the big six, or actually he talks about the big three, and then he adds another three into those sins that can trap any one of us that God wants to pull us out of. But he says, among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. I heard an Aussie preaching on this, and he said, there must not be even a hint a hint of sexual immorality stuck with me for years, or any kind of impurity, or of greed is another big one, because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, let me say, you may be here as, as um, non-Christian folk. The world says today living together is fine, and, and, and the, that's, a lot of people choose that as an option. But, but we can't claim to be Christian and choose that as an option. And what I would say to you is if you're here, you're really welcome. I don't want you to go away condemned at all. I want you to think about why don't you just marry her, marry him, and do, the, do things God's way. If you, if you love each other enough to be together, then, then I, I encourage you, do it God's way and, and, and say to her, I'm with you for life, babe. This is forever. This is serious. This is not till we find someone else. This is marriage. This is us being together. But talking to the Christians in our midst, this is a real challenge for every single one of us. As I said, God doesn't put things that are nice. And in fact, sex is amazing. Have I got any agreeing, people agreeing with me? Those of you that are married can agree, can be willing to raise your hand and give a wave. It's incredible. God made it up. God even made parts of our body that have no other purpose other than to cause arousal and fun. He did that. But then he said, if you use it wrongly, people will get hurt. You could become a perpetrator to hurt someone like Jeanette when she's just a little girl. Or you could find your life goes in a 
in a direction you never expected, and what you thought was going to be forever becomes partial and not what you hoped for, and just life has gone a different course because of breaking these boundaries. God has put the boundary of sex within um, Christian marriage for a reason. It's one of the, it's the icing on the cake. It's the glue that just grabs couples' hearts and puts them together. And they're not supposed to then be ripped apart at a soul level. And then ripped apart again at a soul level. And ripped apart with someone else at a soul level until no longer sticking. It's just sex. And the word that's used there is, is a word that's much more than um, some of the definitions that we have. It's, it's if I can find it, um, uh, pornea. So it takes in pornography. It takes in the widest things that you could possibly imagine. And church, we need to really be aware of the times that we live in because Western secular culture wants sexual expression without biblical restraint. They want to say that everything is okay. And whole sections of the church have compromised on what the Bible actually says because of the pressure and the attack upon morality. So we're heading into an increasingly hostile world view where to call homosexuality a sin or Christians living together as sinful or adultery as being wrong and sinful or viewing pornography as being sin is seen as unacceptable in many parts of the world and it's going to become more and more unacceptable and the only area the world has drawn an arbitrary line on and said is wrong is pedophilia. But even that, there's challenges in the world and the thinking of people um, and, and, and what the devil is bringing upon the world to, to find as acceptable. What I want to say, friends, is any sexual relationships outside of Christian marriage as Christians is sin. Don't feed the old, the lust of the old nature. It is a terrible monster to have in your life or my life. It includes pornography. And it, it, it is clear from the scripture today that these things, along with any kind of impurity like drunkenness or crude speaking, are sinful. I was watching 8 out of 10 cats like Countdown the other night, and, and I suddenly realized I'm preaching on this, and she's saying all sorts of crude things. And I, I just thought, nah, I don't want it, and just switched it off. But it's everywhere. If we allow that in our lives, it's feeding what the Bible calls the old nature that we are to put off our life so that we can live free and we can live the kind of full lives that God's um, uh, got for us. We are, we are to be Christ-shaped and not culture-shaped. So there's two things that um, you can take out of this. This chapter can be a moralist you can look at it from the view of a moralist or you can look at it from a spirit-led um, way. And this chapter gives a whole list of things that are do's and don'ts. Here's the don'ts. Don't engage in sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. 
Don't participate in obscenity and foolish talk and crude humor. And don't associate with people who do that. And then don't take part in the works of darkness. And don't get drunk. Whole list of don'ts. And then the do's in the chapter are imitate God. Walk in love. Do walk in the light. Do discern what pleases God. Do expose the works of darkness. Do walk as wise. Do make the best use of your time. Do be filled with the Spirit and sing in passionate worship and give thanks. And we need to grow stronger as we, we get saved in an instant, but as we and, and, and God sees us as holy and righteous. He gives us Jesus' righteous at that righteousness at the moment of that happening in our lives. But then we walk the rest of the years of our life out. And let's make sure that we're walking upward, not downward, and not staying the same. To stay the same is like sitting on a fence. To, to have some in the world and some in God... The world's never good enough because you come under conviction. In God, the joy isn't enough. And it's because you're trying to live two camps. Imagine if they were boats. <laughs> no wonder people find they... You know, one of the things, a lot of people plug out of Christianity in their 20s, but there's a lot that, that fall out in their 40s too. And I think one of the things may be that they've never really been fully in. And they just seeing it all as rules, rules, rules. And they reach a point where they go, I can't do this anymore. It's not working for me. But were they ever out of two boats? where they made a choice, I am committed, I am fully in, I am doing things God's way, I'm going to not go back into the old ways, the dark ways, I'm not even going to go into the grey ways or the shadow ways, I'm going to do things God's way. That's where the joy of the Christian life is. Can I get a smile at least? I know it's heavy, and I kind of realize where the worship was taking us today just because it is that kind of message that we need to really think about because it challenges every single one of us on the inside of our lives. If we do the do's because of um, it's the right thing to do, and I encourage you, get stronger to be able to do the right thing. But if you just do it for that reason, then it's just behavior modification. Do that, but the thing that will change it is when our hearts on the inside start to change. And when our hearts on the inside start to change because something spiritual has gone on inside of us and the pennies begun to drop. You know, there's a key of David, and David is, um, uh, uh, in, is, takes a guitar and goes out into the hills and he worships God. And as he worships God, he gets to know his father. And the difference between David and Saul is that David knew his father. And so when he fell into sin, he knew, he knew where to go to be forgiven. Saul didn't. Two incredibly different ends to two men's lives. And that's why the spirit-led thing that God wants to do, it starts in the first verse, and it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. 
the more you and I can find out how dearly loved we are, the less we'll fall into sin. When we know how dearly and preciously loved we are, we will want to live holy lives before him. You know, the more dearly loved you are, the less you'll be controlled by money and the fear that you haven't got, we haven't got enough. And the more thankful you'll be, um, no matter what you see on Facebook of other people's lives, with what you have and I have in our own lives. See, God doesn't just say, don't get drunk to try and solve your problems, because getting drunk to try and solve a person's problems doesn't do anything, because in the morning you have a bad head and you feel terrible, and they tell me, and, and um, you've still got the problem. God doesn't say, just don't do that. He says, do get filled with the Spirit. Do get drunk with the Spirit and speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God, the God the Father for everything. Because here's the truth. Our Father God is perfect and loving and gracious and merciful and patient and holy and helpful and generous. Has anyone got any other words to add in there? That's God. And the more we get to know that God, the more the change happens on the inside of us. And it starts to become abhorrent that we would want to deliberately go and live sinfully to hurt such a God. To mean that there was more more punishment that had to go on Jesus because of something I'm choosing to do in the now that he had to face face the punishment for when he was on the cross. And that's the change that takes place in a person's heart that causes them not to just walk on the level or go downhill, but causes them to know absolute anguish. So you get out, and I've done this many, many times. You get out of bed at night, in the middle of the night, and go downstairs, and you say, God, I blew it again. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? It's the anguish of a heart that wants to walk in right relationship with him. And you get up clean and free and forgiven. It's the Christian walk. It's the Christian walk. I almost lost one of my sons uh, when he was 16, 17, 18, 15, 16, somewhere around that sort of age, because I showed him conditional love. And when he was doing wrong things, I gave him a bit of a growling, and I withdrew my love from him, and I only praised him and was loving towards him when he did the right things. And those of you that have had parents and you've gone through that stage, you know what I'm talking about. And my wife said to me, she said, John, you're going to lose your son. The problem is you. And she talked to me about the unconditional love that God has for me. And I realized that I had to show unconditional love to my son if I wanted to see him make any changes. He was staying away for a week at a time and and living on people's couches. And he was getting into a lifestyle that he knew was was wrong. And I, I was really wanting to see him come out of it. 
And we had to sit down with him and I had to say, son, I love you. I will always be your dad. I will always be proud of you. I am here for you and this home and everything that we have is here for you. You can come back at any time and no matter what you've done, you will always be welcome because you are my son. But you are living at a, li at a life that is much less than the valued son that you are. And I want to say to you, I believe that you can overcome in every area of your life and I'll be there to help you in every way. Wow, such a difference from, why are you late? Where have you been? No, you can't just come home and have a shower and use the, the washing machine. I didn't actually say that, I'm making it up. But I want you to get the, the impression of the difference. And this is our Father to us. This is our God to us. And my son began to live as a son of mine again. Slowly began to change. And our relationship began to heal. And God does this and says this to every single one of us. You're dearly loved. I've put these things out here. I want you to do this and that. But it's not just behavior modification. It's change in the heart. And as you change and I change in our hearts, we want holiness. We want to walk righteously. We want to choose and that's why I said, I am a chooser of holiness. I am someone who will be all in on God, not trying to live in two camps. Can I have the band come and be with us? Could you stand, please? Let me ask you, does the command... command to have not even a hint of sexual immorality and impurity and greed challenge you in any way? Do you want to talk with him about things? And just confess. Every single None of us can put our hand up and, and say I'm perfect in any of these areas. Every single one of us. Do you want to ask for his help? I really want to say it again. Don't feed lust. It's a terrible master but rather ask for forgiveness. And does the opportunity to be able to say, I'm all in on God today, excite you? Do you look forward to being able to have a time of just worshipping now that God's presence might be here, that he might bring more of that change in our hearts that he needs to and wants to bring? And one more thought. Would you enjoy the exercise of taking a pen and paper this afternoon maybe and thanking God for everything that you have and everything that you know? You might be surprised just how much joy that would bring. Let me pray. Lord, your word is a, such a sharp, clear challenge to what is going on in our lives at times. And I pray, God, that you would be speaking and just showing the path out. I think of those trapped in pornography, Lord, and pray that you might not only forgive, but give courage to people to be able to, to 
find a way and pursue a way of breaking free in this sin. Lord, I, I love people. We live in such an interesting and changing world. Help us, Lord, to negotiate that world, living as Christians, living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there may be, just before we just have a time of just worshipping God, there may be some here who also were abused in your life. And um, Jeanette, in her vulnerability today, has, has said this has happened to me. She would be one that I would really encourage you to ring up or to have a chat to and just to be able to um, confide and to talk and, and to seek help from her.